Hi, beautiful people. I'm Shamaya. It's like papaya, except it's not. And this is Plot Twist, please. Welcome to my humble abode and the place where I like to talk about media literacy, um, neurodivergent wellness. And oh, wow, it is literally snowing outside. It is literally snowing. It, I'm not even kidding. It's snowing. Wow. Cute, 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 cute. Y'all, it's like a blizzard outside right now. I'm looking outside my window. Blizzard. I'm not ready. Hold on, let me back up this microphone because y'all, I be yelling. Y'all, here we go. We gonna need this to work now. Okay. So today I really wanted to talk about, I'm also sorry if I'm not looking at y'all the whole time because I'm trying to monitor my levels and make sure I'm not yelling into this microphone. Because... Stage voice mode? Stage voice mode wants to project, but I have a microphone so I don't have to project. Okay. Well, okay. But first, before I go on to like the subject of today, this video slash podcast episode is sponsored by me and the Plot Twist Please Etsy shop. So click a link, that link in the description that leads you to the Etsy shop where you can buy art for your home to encourage wellness, to encourage mm-hmm. black people being well. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about selling affirmation cards on there. I have to ponder that a little bit and like get everything in order and to see if I actually do want to go through with that but I have the drafts like I do have the designs um maybe um, I'll let the patrons decide on the final designs maybe, maybe I'll do that also if you want to become a patron become a patron um you can donate as little as a dollar a month or you could even donate to my cash app if you want to do like a one-time deal um, but if you would like to be a patron then you get exclusives like that as well as videos that are only for your eyes um, that are talking about my very personal experiences as a black autistic woman in the Western world and as someone who's pursuing art and being an entrepreneur and, you know, pursuing all my passions that I am. So feel free to do that. I also give um, patrons first inside looks at what episodes are going to be for the podcast as well as more in-depth, um, you know, sources. And, you know, maybe I'll put a reading list on there at some point. But all that exclusive content, all that special stuff, special treatment happens when you become a patron and support this work that I'm doing. Also, if you support the work that I'm doing and you're not in the position where you can donate of, you know, a dollar a month, feel free to just hit like or share. And that is enough. That does so much to get my videos out there and get my content out there and to let people know what I'm doing and to contribute to this community that we've got here. So... Thank you, thank you, thank you to the people who have already done those things. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the people who keep coming back. It means so much to me and to the people who my videos are trying to help. Thank you. All right, let's get into it. So what we're going to talk about today is lucky girl syndrome and what I think the constant need for manifestation or manifestation-like phenomenons in media says about us as, as consumers of media and as partakers in these kinds of wellness trends. Let me pull out my notes because if there's one thing a girl's gonna have, it's her notes. So why am I talking about lucky girl syndrome? Well, I'm honestly always fascinated in by the ways in which people use mindset or the concept of a mindset to create the lives that they want. And I often think that these new waves of manifestation or lucky girl syndrome or things of a similar nature tend to happen in periods of time where hopelessness is common 
and where there's a sense of financial or socioeconomic ruin upon us as a society. And, you know, specifically now where we see, you know, I keep talking about these layoffs in different podcast episodes. And the last one that I did about influencers versus doctors, about the current workforce and how workforce culture is changing because of the recession and because of the intersection of the socioeconomic financial state of a lot of Americans and media, the intersection of how those things are kind of evolving. I think that this influencer boom in terms of a career path as an influencer, I think these things are happening. And I think people are, are getting driven away from traditional labor people. because of all these things happening simultaneously that are pushing us in that direction or that people feel led into that direction. I talked about this in that episode and I'm going to talk about it, that again because I think it's relevant that there's a sense of needing to control one's destiny. It's the sense of, of rather lack of control makes us feel that makes people feel like they need to be in more in control of their future. And I think the manifestation, boom, I think that the lucky girl syndrome, I think that, you know, these kinds of movements, I wouldn't call them movements necessarily, but I think these kinds of this terminology and the way that they're kind of taking over the internet, specifically TikTok right now, I think they might be a reflection of a time where people are feeling a sense of hopelessness across the board. I think that that's worth investigating. I think it's worth thinking about what is it that we feel that we lack that makes us want to latch on to something like this that is similar to manifestation, but that has a nice, fun, new ring to it. Now, when I first heard of Lucky Girl Syndrome, I immediately thought, oh, it's just like manifestation. But then I had to do a little deeper digging and come to find, and I put all the sources in the description as I typically do, Lucky Girl Syndrome is based on the premise that you are someone who good things happen to all the time. And it's because you're lucky. It's because you just are that girl and things will just happen to you in your favor. Whereas manifestation, from my understanding, especially when you look at this Vice article and lots of other explanations of it, particularly the per- the people who have who kind started of st- this conversation on TikTok, when you hear from them, you get the sense that lucky girl syndrome is more of an outward focused um, frame of mind. But then when you look deep into, there's this book called, oh God, what is it? There's this book called The Secret by Rhonda Byrne. Um, lucky girl syndrome has been received in both positive and negative ways, it seems, because... Um, there are a lot of people who are of an older generation who claim that lucky girl syndrome is just enough to believe that they should get what they want without working. And then you have the people who are saying no, particularly the people who are kind of spearheading this social media trend where they're claiming that lucky girl syndrome is just another phrase for being delusional, quote, quote, um, not actually, <laughs> um, in, in such a way that, that it promotes you believing good things can happen to you, believing that you can get the things that they want and that being an, a mentality that can spearhead positive things to happen to you or can even motivate spearhead. you to actually pursue those things wholeheartedly that you want to happen to you. And manifestation, in contrast, I would say, or from what I've gathered, is based on the law of attraction. Um, and now some people get the law of attraction and the law of assumption mixed up. I took it upon myself to really find out what those terms actually mean. So law of attraction is based on the premise of 
basically if you build it, then it will come. Rather, law of assumption is what you believe or imagine comes true. So very similar ideas, but, you know, but semantically a little bit different. The interesting thing about manifestation is that it seems to be aimed more inward. And it's, it is leaning into individual agency as a, you know, as opposed to lucky girl syndrome, which is seemingly dependent on things happening to you or things on the outside that fall into your lap. And frankly, I think that really just depends on how you apply these concepts. I, I think that how someone uses them can be very individualized. And I think that manifestation can mean something completely different to one person than it does to the next, depending, you know, on a lot of things, depending on culture, religion, spirituality, because I think it's fair to, to, to analyze where this language comes from, especially when you think about how black and brown people have pretty much cultivated these ideas and they've been co-opted by a lot of white wellness experts by a lot of you know white wellness bloggers and even people with credentials even people with phds who go to these different countries and travel and pick up these manifestation techniques and capitalize off of them financially you know it's really really muddy sticky it's really gross muddy waters there especially when people are paying five dollars a month for an app where whereas in another country they wouldn't have to pay for meditation it would just be free it would just be there like but then that also has barriers too if you don't live in that country and of course it's expensive to travel it's expensive and this is not always something that is attainable for people in the West, you know, those concepts. But I also think we need to acknowledge when we're talking about wellness principles, especially when it comes to manifestation, you know, which is, I believe, a Buddhist practice or it's rooted in Buddhism. And it was co-opted by a white woman who wrote a book based on the law of attraction. Now, and I don't know this woman, no shade to her, but this is just the something that white colonialism does. It consumes and it constantly borrows and I don't, here's the thing. I haven't read the book. I don't know if she's paid homage to the cultures that she's pulled from. I don't know. I would hope so. But I do think that it <laughs> behooves us. I do think that it is, that it is paramount for us to think about where these principles come from and to honor where they come from. You know, if it is impossible for us to not pay that $5 for the meditation app because we wouldn't otherwise have access to meditation, you know, then... I would hope that we would have in the back of our minds that this did not come from a white person. <laughs> I just hope we would know that. I think the funny thing too, is this still recording? Oh God. Oh, y'all, sometimes I gotta check because the electronics be acting wacky. They be acting brand new and prehistoric up in here. But anywho, manifestation seems to support the same function right, as lucky girl syndrome. And I would also say that manifestation requires inner healing and personal development or at least from what i from what i've seen you know there are other sources in there but it seems that manifestation requires some sort of self-awareness into knowing how much power you have um when it comes to achieving your goals when it comes to making your dreams into reality and knowing where your shortcomings are knowing where your pitfalls are and how you can circumvent them in order to build the life that you want you know again based on law of attraction building it so that the things you want will come. Building that life so that the life will happen to you, you know? And I frankly think that's a healthier approach. And I'll explain why real soon. So the law of attraction, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I keep saying law of attraction. What I mean is lucky girl syndrome. They both start with an L. It's fine. I'll take the L. Law of... Uh, I did it again. again. I did it again. Lucky girl syndrome is a form of positive thinking you know that kind of frame of mind where where the assumption is if you think positively then everything in your life will turn out the way you want it to because you thought positively is more complicated than just thinking things will happen to you but honestly the way that people explain it on social media you'd be surprised you'd be surprised the way that it is being explained and maybe because it's just like a short snippet of time when you make a tiktok it contributes to virality when something is short and cute and easily packageable and sent off to the next person and shareable. Maybe that just is the function of the app that makes it seem like such a simplistic concept. I think promoting a positive way of thinking for a lot of people who don't practice media literacy actively, there are limits. And one of the biggest, one of the biggest limitations and I think like almost dangerous pitfalls that we can get into is Framing individual responsibility as if it can circumvent systemic change. I think about this a lot when it comes to the body positivity movement, when it comes to, you know, black pride and, you know, lots of other easily shareable, easily clickable quotes and phrases. These micro movements, maybe that's it. There's these micro movements on social media that make us feel good after we watch the video, that make us feel good after hearing the phrase. But then we realize that individual authority can only take us so far that you cannot self-love your way out of oppression. (laughs) Systemic oppression doesn't take a break. It is pervasive, and it has been. That train is not stopping because you love yourself. Okay? And, And of course, I'm not, of course, like there is value. There is so much value in loving yourself, in, in knowing who you are, in knowing what you bring to the table, despite the lies of white supremacist patriarchy, despite the gaslighting that is racism. Racism is the biggest gaslight. <laughs> like, if you think about it, black people have literally done so much with so little. It is astonishing. With a fragment of what white people have had access to, black people have done incredible things. The only thing that could gaslight us into thinking that we're less than is racism. (laughs) It's the biggest gaslighter of them all. We couldn't own land. We couldn't have our own names. We couldn't claim our own names. It, It blows my mind. It blows my mind all the time when I think about how much we've had to go through. We couldn't write, we couldn't read. We had to teach ourselves to read. We had to figure out how to communicate with each, with each other. We have our own language within languages. We have our own language within ASL, within all these other communities. It's wild to me, the things that black people have been able to do. And you can clip that and you can share that. It is so important. It is. It can be life altering for a black person to walk into a room full of white people and think to themselves, I belong here. Not only do I belong here, I'm probably overqualified to be here because you know that if a black person walks into a room, it's because they are overqualified to be there because people who are who are not qualified are in that room who don't look like us, who don't come from where we come from. So yes, it can change your life when you know who you are, when you know what you've got. It, it has changed mine. It, it's really shocking to some people when I tell them now, my current friends and the people who I have intimate relationships with now, 
when I tell them that I used to truly, truly think that I was nothing. I don't I don't know how to explain that. <laughs> I don't know how to explain that without it seeming trivial or seeming like a hyperbo- hyperbolic, but I truly didn't think that I was worth anything. You know, I'm a spiritual person, so my spirituality is what saved me. My spirituality is what kept me alive. But I didn't think I was nothing, you know? When I walked into a room, I I wished I could make myself as small as possible. I thought that if I did have to speak to anyone that I wouldn't have anything valuable to say at a very early age and for a really long time I think maybe I I think it may be up until oh my gosh up until 2020 I thought that I was someone who didn't deserve relationships and I don't mean romantic I mean people I mean people who love you and care for you long term outside of my immediate family I did not think that I deserved that I did not think that people would want to spend extensive amounts of time with me truly and I I could articulate that verbally because I remember writing it in journals I can't believe that I thought that I wrote those words down and meant them wholeheartedly I get emotional when I think about it because I'm like who was that who was that and, and I think, you know, this is kind of going off script a little bit, but I think one of the biggest disservices that we can do to ourselves is to claim that the person we are now and the person we were then are two different people. Because that person who you think is separate than you, who you have severed from you, from your being, from everything that you've worked hard to achieve within yourself, that person still belongs to you. They still belong somewhere. They still are as deserving of empathy and of understanding and of grace and of care as the person who is with you today, as you are today. You know, and I, I, I think we need to take care of our current selves and our past selves because they, they're the same. They're the same. They deserve the same things. I understand how hard it is to build yourself from the inside out, despite everything, especially yeah, if you're someone of a marginalized community, it can be ridiculously hard because you can have all the stuff and everyone out there will tell you that you don't. All of the images, all the little jokes people make, all of the ways people look at you, the way people treat you can convince you over time of things that are just blatant lies. Those can be such strong forces. There are so many forces (laughs) that try and tell specifically black women that they are nothing in and outside of our communities. There are so many forces at play that can potentially convince us that we don't matter. I understand how important it is to have that foundation. And no, you can't do it alone. No, it is not something you need to uproot from the... Because where are you pulling from, my friend? At a certain point, you're going to have nothing to pull from. And you're going to need your people. You're going to need your community. So individual self-love can only take you so far. Individual positive thinking can only take you so far. Systemic change is the ultimate force. Now, when you can't do that, when you, you know, when you, when you aren't benefiting from the system that is set up before you, without, without any doing of your own, without any fault of your own, then that's where your community comes in. I don't, I don't, I don't know if 
self-care communities or self-care influencers or what have you, so if, if the conversation is as geared toward community as I would like for it to be, and maybe the tide is changing, but I just, I think that, you know, whether you are partaking in, you know, this lucky girl syndrome ideology, whether you are someone who partakes in manifestation, I think that the positive effects of those become doubled and tripled when you have a supportive community around you. When you have someone telling you, you can do it. You know, I, I'm getting so emotional. Oh my gosh, what is, what is going on today? Um, there are so many people who, for me, are the reason why I keep doing this. Are the reason why this podcast is happening. Are the reason why I post on TikTok. Like, there are so many people. People who I know, people who I don't know personally, but people who've reached out to me and people in my own life who I feel, not duty, because I'm not that important. I'm just a person. That make me feel honored to do what I do. That make me feel so blessed to do this. And who encourage me, whether they know it or not, to keep doing it. And in other facets of my life, too, like my acting career, like other things that I do. Like there are people who literally (laughs) are the reason why I do it and because I love it so much. But if you're any kind of creative person, this stuff ain't easy. This stuff is hard. You got to convince yourself sometimes to wake up in the morning and do it. It's not like it is a job sometimes. Sometimes it's the thing you love to do. And sometimes it is a job. And having those people to encourage you. Oh, it can be the difference. It really can. So, yeah, there are limits to individual positive thinking ideologies. And also, when I want to go back to the point of explaining how self-love can't circumvent oppression a lot of the time because I don't think I explained that as thoroughly as I would like to but if you think about fat phobia right fat phobia is so ingrained in American culture in western culture that we associate morale with someone's size we associate someone's body size especially in a black body with whether or not they are deserving of care with whether or not they deserve to walk among us you think about how many people will comment on a fat person. Yes, fat person, because that is a descriptor. It is not a pejorative. Person. Like if a fat person posts something of themselves in an outfit that they think is cute, there are a lot of people, a lot of people who will either comment or who will say oh. those are two people that they know. And I, I have, ex- I've experienced this. I've been in, in spaces where people have done this. There are people who will see a fat person living their life and will be offended by the fact that they're there, by the fact that they exist. Like, what do you want? What do you want them to do? Walk around like this? Like, with the hood on? What do you want them to do? And also, they are not on this planet for you. Like, every, I just wish people would understand that people do not walk the earth to be perceived, to be observed, to be consumed. And black women are particularly susceptible to being perceived as solely for consumption and as a black woman who lives on this floating rock that is something that i'm constantly having to face on these apps you know these apps you know them you know the ones i don't need to tell you which ones i'm on you know the ones (laughs) being a black woman in a western society that has from its inception been pushing forward this idea that you are purely on this earth for consumption is a trip it's a trip. Being that up. being said, though, 
That's why we need each other. That's why we need our book clubs and, you know, our, our outings with the girlies. And, you know, that's why we need those things. And with the bros, because apparently men don't know how to have friendships from what I hear. From what I hear. Maybe I'll do an episode on that one day. But um, we need to invest in our friendships, especially now, because I feel like the heart of the pandemic and onward, and we're still not out of it because, hey, look, I just had COVID. So we're not out of it, baby. Baby. (laughs) I think that people underestimate the value of friendships. Having someone who, who is not promising us any kind of, like, Smexual fulfillment where there is not a direct transactional benefit, you know, because a lot of the times romance and romantic relationships can be actually or seem very transactional, especially at the beginning, especially when you don't know whether or not you should be investing in this person, right? It can feel very transactional. And I think we need to invest heavily in relationships that are not transactional, in relationships that are built purely off of you wanting to be around that person, that are based purely off of whether or not your values align, not whether or not you find them physically attractive, not whether or not they excite you, you know, whether or not this is a person you want in your life. And maybe some of you are pursuing your romantic relationships and I applaud you, I applaud you because everybody ain't doing that. Everybody is not doing what you're doing, <laughs> which is okay. fine. Like, I'm very much aware that romantic relationships, especially for people in cis-hetero relationships, a lot of the time, it is very transactional. It is giving, what can you do for me? And not not in a, like, balanced, you know, self-actualized, healthy way. Like, in a, like, okay, like, this is a business arrangement. I really do think that people approach romantic relationships and platonic relationships differently. And I would hope that when the going gets tough, and you're in a romantic relationship, then you have the same emotional security and physical safety that you would in a platonic relationship that you value. That's what I would hope. But anyway, what I'm what I'm getting at is community is important. And you know, whether you use manifestation with pseudo-religious roots or you are depending on your own philosophy, personal philosophy of what law of attraction can mean or what lucky girl syndrome can mean, etc., etc., etc. It's important to acknowledge that these methods not only can fall short on an individual level, but can be rather exclusionary. There's a quote by Kimberly Christensen, who is at Sarah Lawrence College economics professor, um, and it reads as such. In each case, exclusionary racial categorizations and derogatory racist ideologies were socially constructed to justify economic theft slash exploitation and political disenfranchisement, although the content of racial ideologies has changed significantly since the days of colonization and slavery, their function remains the same to justify and perpetuate economic exploitation and political inequality based on color. So here we're going to get more into the dangers of lucky girl syndrome specifically and that kind of ideology. So lucky girl syndrome has a focus on the outside world and what's happening out there. And then you kind of build your personhood, your self-identification around that outward reality rather than vice versa. So how you view yourself is in response to what is happening around you, which can be dangerous. It can lead to resentment, to jealousy of, you know, your peers, your friends, people who are doing what you wish you were doing, people whose lives mirror the life that you want. And also self-loathing, ultimately, because, you know, there's the danger of you thinking to yourself, 
well, if these things, these good things aren't happening to me, then I'm unlucky, then I'm bad. If good things don't happen to me, then I am not good. You know, and it, it reminds me of that thing in psychology, that phenomenon where some people who are really traumatized and who've gone through a lot will internalize the trauma they've endured and will create an identity around that trauma that points to them being bad because bad things have happened to them. And that's really dangerous. That's really dangerous because you can think that if things happen to you, if someone inflicts harm on you, that you deserve it, that it's because you have brought this upon yourself. And that's just so dicey. And you guys have been there. I've been there. You know, I I used to think that people didn't like me. People didn't want to hang around me because I was unlovable. I wasn't having the friendships that I wanted, that I wasn't in healthy friendships because I just wasn't deserving of them or because I wasn't supposed to have them because people like me didn't have them. You know, what it ultimately does is if you are a person who suffers from systemic oppression because the system is defunct, you're going to think, ergo, I'm broken, you know? And it also feeds into this edification of wealth and classism where, look, oh God, I don't know how else to describe this, but like the mirror with the ring light around it built into it, like <laughs> the marble countertops, no, you know, the designer handbags, that life, that can end up being the prize. And if that is the prize, then what are we actually doing here? Like, are we actually elevating the most exclusive kind of wealth that so many people that most people will never have access to? Is that what we want? Is that what we're highlighting here? I think we need to be careful of that. I think we need to be careful with these soft girl aesthetics, with this lucky girl syndrome. And of course, soft girl aesthetics is a different, you know, it's, it's running in a different tangent than lucky girl syndrome. But I would argue that these same people who are amplifying this soft girl aesthetic are people who are also edifying the lucky girl syndrome trend. And arguably... They have the same audience. They're speaking to the same group of people. And I get it. Life is exhausting. This system is broken. We're all exhausted. And the people who are the most exhausted are the people who are not getting compensated for that exhaustion as they should be. I get that. But another black person in the 1% isn't going to save us. Another black billionaire isn't going to save us. What are they going to do for the person who's working at the corner store five days a week and can't afford health care? What are they going to do for that person? At the end of the day, we don't need more extremely uber rich black people. We don't need more extremely uber rich people of color. You know, it, it, it feels good. It feels good to say, hey, one of us made it. But I really want us to interrogate where that desire comes from, where that need to feel like we could potentially be better than everybody else. Like, wh where does that come from? And that's the part that I think is the part that needs the most healing when it comes to marginalized people. And I think... Oh, God, there's a whole discussion about why a bunch of like grifters, <laughs> like a bunch of like black wealth grifters, yeah, grifters come to fruition and why they're so popular and why we keep elevating them, why we keep gassing them up every time. Every time there is a new black billionaire, we can't get enough of it. We can't get enough of it. Black people now specifically, I need us to heal that part of us that needs to see another black billionaire. And maybe, you know what, maybe... Part of that is we're tired of struggling. Maybe part of that is we are tired of seeing our people struggle as well. But another Jay-Z is not going to do what we think it's going to do because at the end of the day, the people who are at that level are probably going to be using the same tools that the white people at that level are going to be using. It's probably going to be the same level of exploitation. 
It don't feel as good to talk about that. But we got to talk about it. It is an oversimplification and it is a disservice to the well-being of all of us to aim for such a narrow outcome. I am to be comfortable enough to not have to worry about if I break a leg that I won't be able to afford my medicine. Like I, I would like to be able to afford my medicine if I decide to have children. I would like to be able to afford to get all the procedures done that I need to get done to make me live my healthiest, happiest life. And to not have to worry about the day. if there's a day that my health crumbles. I would like to not have to worry about that on my own, Ashamaya, without being partnered. I would love to have to not worry about that stuff. When I think about manifestation, when I think about the kind of life that I want to create for myself, there are things that are just so frivolous to me that, like, I just don't care about. I don't care. <laughs> and I'm not trying to say that I'm, like, holier than thou. Like, I'm not trying to, like, put myself on a pedestal. But I just feel like there are more important things. There are more important things to aim for. So building personhood around your reality versus starting from the internal validation, starting from the self-acclimation, surrounding yourself by the people who can help you do that when you can't, when the cup is empty. Now you could say, is this just semantics? Like, you know, pouring the cup full and, and, and reaching, like, is this all just wordplay and, you know, language salad? Maybe. Language is constantly evolving. People are attributing different meanings to words and phrases every day. The Oxford Dictionary changes all the time. Hey, the definition of racism was something different five years ago than it is today. But I firmly believe that language is powerful. And I think the things you tell yourself, the narrative you tell yourself, the story you tell yourself is crucial to your mindset. And language is a big part of that. And they also believe that whatever works for you may not be what works for somebody else. You know, manifestation might work for this person. It might not work for the next person. Lucky Girl Syndrome in a certain context might work for this person. And, you know, like I could absolutely see a marginalized person taking the concept of Lucky Girl Syndrome and kind of radicalizing it in a way. I do believe that a lot of the people who accomplish really great things, I do think that a lot of them did have to believe that they are magic. I think a lot of them believed that at a very early age or very early on in their careers, they had to really believe that they had something special. The thing, though, it was it wasn't based on the things that had happened to them. They really had to just know that and then sprinkle that fairy dust out into the world. You know, I, I think that at the end of the day, we are all just doing what we need to do to, the ne- to, to get to the next day. And the world is a wonky place, especially right now. And in whatever you can do to alleviate that stress whatever you can do to build a life for yourself without harming other people that is fulfilling and that leads you to the healthiest happiest self that you can be i'd say do that i say go on ahead who am i because that's all all we're trying to do anyway i also think that when it comes to building the lives that we want especially in instructing other people how to build the life that they want that context is incredibly important Sometimes your mindset is the problem, and sometimes the problem is the problem. Manifestation, you know, slash lucky girl syndrome, slash all the other isms, I think that they have to be self-aware. People who are in a position of privilege, I I think they need to understand that they are not getting where they're getting purely because of their own efforts, ever, ever, because people don't exist. In a vacuum. Opportunities do not exist in a vacuum. A lot of the time, you are getting an opportunity over somebody else who is more marginalized than you. You have to acknowledge that. You have to acknowledge that in the world, you have privilege. And sometimes you're going to get opportunities, frankly, a lot of the time. 
You are going to get an opportunity because you're qualified, maybe, and because you identify a certain way or because you look a certain way or because you're from a certain place. We don't live in a vacuum where people are not perceived outside of the vortex of white supremacy. Now, I don't say this to discourage you. We need positivity to push forward movements. We need positive thinking in order to see a brighter future, in order to see a day where these things are impacting who has access to what, you know? Hope is actually essential for radical change. I, I, I want to refer to, oh gosh, a quote that Bell Hooks has where she states that hope is essential for radical change. Sometimes people who don't want progress are afraid to seek a brighter future. They are afraid to want something better because it means that their dreams could crumble it's all over again. Or maybe they're afraid to see something better because it means that they could have had something better. That's a harsh reality too. Like sometimes we gotta acknowledge, and I've, I've recently had to interrogate this within myself. Um, sometimes we have to acknowledge that things are gonna be better for the next generation than they are for us now. And there is a kind of mourning that comes with that. I don't think people talk about that enough. I don't think people talk about the fact that when something is better for the next generation after you than it was for you, there is a kind of mourning that takes place of, I could, have, I could have had that. That could have been me. That could have been my life. That could have been my reality. What kind of person could I have been? What could I have accomplished? That's if, hard. I don't, I, that's hard. That's just something we have to, and are going to deal with as progress is made. But the beautiful thing about that is that we can just know that we are a big part of that change, that we can be a big part of that progress. You know, that people having access to things that allow them to live happy, fulfilled, safe lives, that is ultimately what's important. It's important to me. I hope that's important to you. So that's all I have for you today. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode. Feel free to like, share, subscribe, join the Patreon if you feel led, and uh, stay weird. Bye.